Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Over at BangTheBook.com, we are your one-stop shop for sports betting news and information. Thoughts going up today on the divisional round for the four playoff games coming up here on Saturday and Sunday. Opening line report already up for the divisional round. Daily college basketball and NBA stuff. Tennis season is back. Big Ten Watto back with another tennis preview for us. James Mazzola back on the golf side with a preview of last week's Tournament of Champions. Now we look ahead to the Sony Open in Hawaii. Daily NHL from Parker Michaels. I started my Major League Baseball season win total guide intros this past weekend. Plenty of stuff going on over at bangthebook.com. Make sure you check it all out. Finally, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino. At BetDSI, it's only a game until you bet it. One guest on the program here today, and that is professional handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com and also bettersportspicks.com. Kyle, how's it going today, man? It's going all right. How about yourself? Doing very well, man. Appreciate your time as always here, sir. And, uh, we don't talk a whole lot of NFL, but you and I were kind of doing that a little bit here before we started up the show today. Any surprises for you coming out of the wild card weekend? I was certainly surprised that the Saints lost to the Vikings. You know, um, probably it's been a little bit more of a narrative than it should be that Kirk Cousins struggles in the big games. But, you know, he he has lost a lot of games, you know, in the spotlight. Um, Vikings are a talented team. You know, it shouldn't be a huge surprise, I guess. But, you know, between the Saints losing at home and the Patriots losing at home, I thought those were both pretty big surprises. Yeah, I think something that was really surprising to me about a couple of games, and we'll talk about this a lot on tomorrow's show with Brian Blessing, but, you know, Bill O'Brien coached a very poor first half. And they were still in the game. The Bills couldn't capitalize on a lot of their opportunities. Deshaun Watson finally started making plays in the second half. But Sean McDermott's clock management was abysmal in the second half of that game. Yep. We talked about the Saints getting beaten. Sean Payton, I have no idea what in the hell that guy was thinking, but his <laughs> second half was not a coaching display worthy of remembering either. That was the big thing. You know, we had some very exciting games. We had a couple of overtime games. But what really stands out to me is the unpredictability of betting the NFL because these coaches and their bad decisions are having such a profound impact on these games that even the good teams are are very tough to trust with some of these decision makers. Yeah. You know, the Texans and bills, um, I saw most of that game and I was kind of struck by in the first half, like you said, just about everybody on my timeline on Twitter was talking about O'Brien and how bad of a coach he is. And the bills have a big coaching advantage. And then the second half rolls around. It's like, you know, uh, so much for the bills, big coaching advantage because he is really struggling. And, at the end of that game, there were just some really confusing things going on in that game. Obviously, Josh Allen pitching the ball behind him. I'll remember that one for a while. It was kind of like when uh, it wasn't Reggie Bush that did that in the title game for USC. Um, just some strange, strange plays. You know, Allen makes some great plays and also makes some very questionable plays. And then 
obviously Watson with the the big play to be able to stay up and then get the big gainer. Um, you know, I really don't think Houston or Buffalo really played very well in that game. And it was really, for the most part, it was kind of an ugly game. But then, you know, the finish was exciting, certainly. And then, um, you know, I, I have to say one more time, and I, I'm sure I've said this before, but I don't like the NFL's overtime rules. I really want both teams to get the ball. Uh, would have been nice to see the Saints get the ball and, and see if Breeze and the Saints could score. I, I don't think it's uh, quite right for it to be decided on a coin toss. No, definitely not. And especially, you know, with some of the creative offenses that we have out there in the NFL now, you know, yards per play numbers are much higher now than they were 5, 10, 15 years ago. Both teams deserve a shot with the ball. I absolutely agree with that sentiment. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, obviously we saw, you know, a change come uh, with the pass interference rules because of what happened in the Saints game. Do we see a change come next year with overtime because of something that happened in a Saints game? And, Look, I mean, no team runs worse in the NFL playoffs than the poor Saints, who, you know, may have deserved a better fate yesterday, may have deserved a better fate a few times here over the last few years. But, you know, as we transition over to the college football side of things here, and and we've got one bowl game to talk about, the Lending Tree Bowl, one game other than that, the National Championship game, at least as far as FBS goes. You know, I know it's been a rough stretch for you here lately. It was a very rough stretch for me throughout most of 2019 and for a lot of people as well. And we don't have any big coaching mismatches or anything in these two college football games this weekend. We've certainly had some during the bowl season. And a lot of times those really haven't played out as I expected them to. One of my new year's resolutions on the betting side for 2020 may just be to assume that all coaches suck from a game management and a game theory standpoint, unless it's something where it is a very clear, very evident mismatch because betting these markets is hard enough as it is. and with some of the unquantifiable things, motivation, you know, coaching advantages, stuff like that, I've fallen on the wrong side of them here, and, and I'm really not sure what to do about that. Yeah, I have to say that, you know, I've had a really, really bad stretch here, especially in college basketball of late. Um, you know, it's definitely something I'm beating myself up over. You know, it's uh, I put a lot of time into it and definitely disappointed when I do so poorly, especially for for people who have bought from me. Uh, college football, I had a good year. You know, I, I have gotten a little bit of negativity about college football just because I lost the last three games. You know, I lost a couple on New Year's Day, but a 75 and 60 in college football this year. So 55.6%, uh, you know, regardless of, of what happens in the last game, I've, I've had a good year. I wish it would have finished a little bit stronger. I didn't do very well in bowl season, but, um, you know, I, I think in bowl season, I, I didn't quite uh, go against the public enough. I also took too many of those teams that seemed to have a motivation edge and, and didn't actually, you know, come to fruition out on the field. The, the SMU game really stands out to me when I think about, uh, bowl season, but, you know, I think that you're right, that there are so many poor coaching decisions now that, uh, it's hard to know who has the coaching advantage sometimes, obviously still, we know, uh, in some cases that some coaches are really good as underdogs or some coaches are, you know, really bad in certain spots. And I think that will work going forward. But it's important to point out for listeners that, you know, regardless of um, how much of an edge you have in this, you're going to have really bad stretches. So, um, you know, for yourself and, and for myself, too, you know, this is something that, you know, we we should understand that this will happen from time to time. It's just not very easy when you're in the middle of it. 
Yeah, definitely. And and again, I mean, it's it's tough because I feel like, and maybe this is just some recency bias from the bowl season, especially some of the games very early on in the bowl season. It feels like a lot of things I've lost have been, you know, because of intangibles or, or something that, you know, maybe happened that I didn't expect to happen. For example, I had a terrible baseball season. Anybody who read my daily article knows that. I had no idea, and I got buried very early on in the year with that, by the way. I had no idea how the baseball was going to play this year. I had no idea that home runs were going to absolutely skyrocket. You know, I wrote up the Baltimore Orioles intro, and, and obviously we're going kind of down a rabbit hole here. But I wrote up the Baltimore Orioles intro, and, you know, I remember that they set the all-time baseball record for most home runs allowed as a pitching staff. I forgot that it happened on August 22nd. You know, and, and not only that, but... Four teams wound up breaking the old record of home runs allowed in a season. I had no idea that was coming going into the year, you know, and I got buried so early on with a really bad start to the season in March and then a bad month of April. It was very hard to try and come back from that, even making adjustments to the baseball. I think here in the college football season, you think you've got motivation. You think you've got, you know, these coaching mismatches. You think you've got, these situations maybe with interims or where you're not sure if a team's going to play for a coach that's likely to take another job, something like that. You know, you're, you're guessing. It's guesswork at that point in time. And that's the problem with this business because the talent pool is spread so evenly across so many of these conferences, so many of these regions where you really want to look statistically as much as you possibly can. The lines are pretty tight in that regard these days. So you try to find these intangible factors, these situational spots, these things that you believe to be true. When they wind up not being true, you look like a gigantic asshole. And that's something that's happened to me way too much here in 2019. And again, maybe we just have to bet based on what is literally and definitively in front of us. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that uh, the one that stands out to me is the whole interim coach thing. You know, I, I think that's used too much now. I mean, cause we've seen enough examples of this that it, it, it must just be a coin flip. You know, I mean, this is, um, you know, it's been long enough now that, uh, it's been used as a big reason to, to bet against the team, but we've seen plenty of interim coaches who have done fine. Um, you know, it just depends on if the players are, uh, want to play. Um, and unless you're inside that locker room, you don't really know. So, I think some of the narratives that go around, we kind of have to uh, overlook those at this point because it, it clearly isn't anything that gives you a, a quantifiable edge. So um, we'll, let's try to see what will allow us to have an edge because, you know, some of those things that we have thought in the past, other people have thought in the past might be an edge. It's not the case, you know, and if we get enough data to show us that, then I think it's time to move on from stuff like that. So uh, that's one thing I'm going to do in the future is kind of um, block those things out and, you know, let somebody else talk about that and maybe move the line uh, in the other team's favor. Because I think that there have been uh, multiple things like that that have stood out as, you know, it doesn't really matter now. Now, I, I agree with you when it comes to Major League Baseball with the whole baseball and, and everybody's giving up home runs. Some of the guys that hit just a ton of home runs this year would have never seen that coming and, and you know also hurt me early on when you're taking some of these unders and it's just everything's flying out of the park and you're like what is going on and obviously just you know the baseball was so much different and, and it's hard when when um, you assume that things are going to be the same as a year before and something like that and then it's clearly not and it kind of just gets you behind 
Well, and this this is something that feeds into college basketball. We'll talk about this a little bit later. But, you know, you and I were talking kind of about why you're off to a slower start for college basketball. And there was a pretty substantial rule change with the three-point line getting moved back. You mentioned a couple of years ago you know, when they changed the shot clock around, that was something that kind of threw you for a loop too. And the reason why I talk about this here as we're doing college football is because now we start looking ahead to next year. You're going to get teams that get that bowl bounce. You're going to be going through getting ready for those college football season win totals, those games of the year, all that type of thing. I never felt more prepared for a baseball season than I did for last year. After the guide, after the extra betting tips articles I did over at bangthebook.com, I never felt more prepared, and it didn't matter once the game started. So as we close up this college football season here, and next week we'll talk with all of our guests about you know what they did well, what they could have done better, what they'll try to take into next season. That's something that I don't think it's bad to start thinking about here as we watch these last couple of games that, you know, again, you can do all this prep work. You can do all this preparation. You can feel like that's when you have your greatest edges over the market because you want to play on that uncertainty. Anytime you play in an uncertain market, whether it's a sports market, the stock market, something like that, there's always opportunities there to come out ahead. But it's just an opportunity. It's not a guarantee. So as we close up this college football season, some food for thought for everybody out there that, you know, again, as you get into your preparations for the next season, don't take anything for granted. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I have clients ask me or potential clients ask me all the time, you know, do you feel like you're ready for the season? I mean, how prepared are you? Uh, I want to buy in if you feel like you're ready to go this year. I never know how to answer that question. I mean, I'm always well prepared for the season, but it doesn't necessarily mean that my results are going to be as good as the last year or, or better than the last year, you know, that I'm going to, uh, you know, be up X amount of units just because I was ready for it. it it's it's not that easy. It doesn't go. Uh, it's not as easy to just predict the future as what some people think. So um, I, I think that's a good point. As far as the bowl games, uh, I think that we might get some of these teams who won big in bowl games who are a bit overrated for next year. I kind of wonder if Texas might be again based on, you know, blowing out Utah in that game. I know Utah was in a questionable spot, but it seems like Texas is the type of the team that, you know, all they have to do is win one game really big. And then the next year people are hyping them up quite a bit. So I wonder if uh, Texas might be a bit overvalued again. Yeah, I think that's one of them. And, and I wonder if a team like USC may be a little bit undervalued. I know that yeah. nobody likes Clay Helton, and, and I fully understand the reasons why. And giving up almost a 50-burger to Iowa is not a good look at all. USC hasn't been that good defensively the last several years anyway. Give me Keaton Slovis. Give me that NFL talent at wide receiver. Another year of spring practice with Graham Harrell and all that. Maybe USC a little bit of an underrated commodity going into next season. And these are things that you want to take a look at here. And these are things that you want to take a look at with these two teams, Miami of Ohio and Louisiana. We finish up our live therapy session of the show here, get into the lending tree bowl where Louisiana, anywhere from a 14 to 14 and a half point favorite, some extra juice on the 14s total of 55 here for tonight's game. This used to be the dollar general bowl. Now the lending tree bowl still in mobile. Any thoughts on this one? I mean, I mean, are you pretty fired up about this game? Oh, yeah. I <laughs> I can't wait to watch something on Hulu. Right, right. Um, I, I mean, you know, the other game that we're going to talk about is pretty exciting, and I am looking forward to that one. But this one, uh, it's hard for me to get too many thoughts because 
honestly, what I want to do here is I want to fade the Mac, but I can't fade the Mac and lay 14 or 14 and a half points here with Louisiana. It's just too much for me. Uh, no way I can get to that number. Uh, you know, I, I just find this game very hard to bet. Like I say, this is one of those spots where I want to fade the Mac, but I can't do it based on the price. I think if I had to play something here, I'd probably take the over, assuming that Louisiana is going to score theirs and, you know, Miami's not going to be able to solve. They'll have to speed up their their pace of play and hopefully they can get enough. But I, I will say that this is a very tough game to bet. There's no way I'm putting a dime on this game. Um, like I said, 14, 14 and a half, an expensive price, but I'm not, I don't want to take Miami. I think Miami was a pretty fraudulent team throughout the year. So um, the Mac just so weak. Louisiana, it's a team that's really well coached. I definitely would give them the coaching edge in this game. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Louisiana, a team that has been consistent throughout the course of the season. You know, they haven't had very many really bad games. Miami, I mean, they almost lost to Akron. And uh, I mean, you and I know what that means. So Miami is just really not a very good team. You see what the public's doing here. 57% of the bets are on Louisiana. I honestly kind of figured it would be even more than that. And it might uh, turn that way a little bit more as the game gets closer. Because I don't think too many people have been, you know, placing a ton of bets on on this game so far. But um, to me, tough game to bet. Don't really have any strong opinions here. Yeah, neither do I. I mean, it's one of those scenarios where I think Louisiana can boat race them, and obviously they can put the game away running the football if they want. On the other hand, you know, Miami, Ohio, if they do get to play stall ball in the first half, limit possessions in this game, if they can move the chains a little bit, 14's a very big number, and 55's a big number for the total, too. This is the highest total for a Miami game this season. So kind of speaks to what you're sort of looking for here from Louisiana. If I saw something more about Billy Napier maybe going to Mississippi State, which I think would be a decent hire, by the way, then maybe I would be a little bit more inclined to kind of do something with this game. But, hey, look, these two teams haven't played in, what, six weeks? Well, at least Miami of Ohio hasn't. Well, they were both in their conference championship games, but it's been five, six weeks since these two teams played. I have no idea what I'm going to get from either one of them here tonight. So a very easy pass there uh, in the lending tree bowl. Next Monday, though, we'll talk about this game more in-depth on next Monday's segment, including a lot of player and game and team prop types of stuff, because as we talked about last week with Brent from DSI Sportsbook, this is effectively the Super Bowl of college football. So you get that full prop betting catalog out there. So we'll have a lot more to talk about with this game next week. But initial thoughts here on game 283-284, Clemson versus LSU, technically in a neutral setting in New Orleans, but We know the LSU faithful will be out in droves for this one. Yeah, I mean, I am looking forward to this game. It should be a really good game. Uh, Clemson's won so many games in a row, and now they're the underdog. Um, Oh, Dabble will tell you they've always been the underdog. I was going to say, I I was going to say, I kind of set that one up right there. uh, You know, Clemson's been the underdog for a long time now. Nobody thought that they can do it. Um, Somehow they've done it, you know against all odds, but here we are with Clemson and LSU. 76% of the bets on LSU, 80% of the money on LSU. I don't think that's probably going to change too much. I think that, you know, everybody just saw LSU blow out Clemson or blow out um, Oklahoma and Clemson, you know, was fortunate to beat Ohio State. And then you get, you know, the the betting odds, what they are. And seems like the public doesn't really care that, you know, LSU is favored by five and a half and they probably would have been an underdog in the past. 
you know, you, you and I were talking a little bit off air about this, that I don't think I've ever seen a, a, a reaction as big as this at the end of the season. You know, we know that things are going to change a lot earlier in the season, but to one game, this is quite the price move. And I, I think LSU probably two or two or two and a half point home field advantage here in this one, but there's no way I could get to five and a half. Um, yeah, I, I can't take LSU. I, I, I think LSU has a good chance of, of winning the game. I do think this will be a close game. I can't lay five or five and a half points here with LSU because it's just it just goes against my handicapping strategy. You know, I'm not going to take something that I could have gotten, you know, six or seven points better before and, and lay those points now. I, I can't do that. On the other side, you know, Clemson, they are certainly going to use this, you know, us against the world mentality. And Dabo Sweeney, he, I mean, he's proven that he can get teams ready for games like this. Uh, if you're going to give a coaching edge to somebody, you have to give it to Clemson. Um, my lean here would be Clemson plus the points if I had to take something, uh, just because I think this will be a very close game. I also lean to the over. Um, I wish the number wasn't so high. I mean, this is uh, everybody was on top of the fact that the bookmakers knew that this should be a high number. Usually in a national title game, um, you know, you don't get a number this high because it clearly means a lot. I just find it kind of hard to figure out who's going to stop somebody in this game. LSU's defense has been somewhat susceptible throughout the course of the season. I think they've improved a bit here at the end of the year. And I don't see Clemson stopping LSU here. I mean, LSU's offense, a well-oiled machine. Burrow has been tremendous in this offense. And obviously the offensive coordinators have really been very good here. Um, I think that this sets up to be a pretty pretty high-scoring game. I could see a shootout here in this one, a back-and-forth game that will certainly be fun to watch. Yeah, it will be fun to watch. At least I'm hoping it'll be fun to watch. Uh, you know, obviously wishing Ohio State would have been in the game. Right. Dabo, 10-1 and one straight up, 9-2 and two against the spread in bowl games and college football playoff games dating back to 2012. So, been there, done that, very much on the Clemson side here for Dabo and, of course, you know, his coordinators who have been with him for quite some time, including Brent Venables, who really wound up being the key outside of Ohio State leaving a bunch of points on the field in the first half, he wound up being the key to that game because Clemson changed their defensive fronts, made it a little bit harder. The loss of J.K. Dobbins made it harder for Ohio State to move the football. So Brent Venables, really the MVP, I think, of that college football playoff semifinal. That being said, I mean, Ed Orgeron's been pretty good against top five opponents in his day here as the LSU head coach. I think maybe their coaching staff may end up a little bit disrespected here going into this one at the same time this adjustment is substantial I mean you and I were talking before we came on the air here both of us in our power ratings Clemson a favorite on a neutral obviously this game is probably pick them or so with it being in New Orleans if we could have predicted that this would have been the national championship game but still on a neutral Clemson maybe two and a half three three and a half points better than LSU at the tail end of the year if they were playing in you know Texas or something like that so this is a massive reaction to what we saw. Now, you do have to give LSU credit. I mean, it was dominant what they did to Oklahoma. Oklahoma wasn't that elite of a team. I mean, were they the fourth best team in the nation? I don't think so. You know, Alabama's the fourth best team in the country. You know, so Oklahoma's maybe fifth or sixth. Is the drop-off that big? It very well could be. And, I mean, we very you know much saw that play out there in the semifinal. Georgia's offense isn't any good. I yeah, Statistically, they're fine, but they're not on LSU's level. They're not on Ohio State or Clemson's level offensively. So 
what do we really know about this LSU defense? I'm kind of interested in figuring that out here in this game, which is why, like you, it would be the over for me. It would be a lean on Clemson. If I get a six, six and a half, I may end up taking it. But again, the player props and the team props going to give us so many more opportunities for this game. Yeah, one more thing I want to note is that both of these offenses have been really explosive. Uh, 43 plays of 30 yards or more so far this year for Clemson. 49 plays of 30 yards or more for LSU. LSU has really struggled to um, stop those big plays. They've given up 28 plays of 30 yards or more. Clemson's given up 19, though I think it's only fair to say that Clemson clearly played a much weaker schedule than did LSU. So I think, uh, you know, while Clemson's defense is is good, they're certainly not as good as their stats. Uh, The big positive for them, like you said, is they have Brent Venables, you know, tremendous defensive mind. All right. Anything else on college football you want to talk about or should we transition over to the college basketball side here? Yeah, I mean, just uh, it's been a solid college football season for me. And I I, I hate to see it end, like I said, um, in some ways. But at the, uh, at, the, at the same time, you know, it's a really busy time of the year. So it's nice to get a, a bit of a break. And I would say that by what, you know, maybe May or June, I'll be pretty uh, excited for college football coming back. Now, something else to mention here real quickly is that, you know, obviously you're on a lot of different sites, you're monitored at a lot of different sites, but when it comes to the player prop stuff, you know, that that can't really be graded on a lot of these sites. They don't really have the interface for it. So I presume you'll talk about a lot of your prop betting stuff once those lines actually get released over at bettersportspicks.com. Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, first half uh, stuff, you know, first quarter uh, in-game stuff is that's where I'm going to put things like that. And, you know, I have done well, especially on props and season win totals, things like that. I'll be posting those over at bettersportspicks.com. You can go over there. You can sign up for the free newsletter there, and you can register for the free members area. There's going to be plenty of free information coming at that site. 